1: Today, we're going to go up to the Great Lakes region, and we're starting to get to the end of of this season of the Ducks Unlimited podcast, and so we're entering into some season recap type of shows. We're going to have a few of those coming up where we will talk about sort of a season in review, but we'll also cover some of the survey results from midwinter surveys that have been uh, conducted by the different state agencies here over the past few weeks. So we're recording this episode on January 20th. And we're going to be visiting with the waterfowl staff specialist of the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources. And that person is Steve Kortz, a friend of mine, like many of the guests on this podcast are friends of mine. So I'm happy to welcome in Steve to the podcast. Steve, thank you for sharing your time and, and welcome.
2: Yeah, thanks, Mike.
1: Uh we're, we're going to start out with, uh, I guess, well, let me, let me first say that we're going to have a couple of topics that we'll talk about here with you. One of them is, as I've kind of introduced, a season recap here, how the waterfowl season um, went in, in Minnesota. And I'm actually going to give get you to give an update on where you stand with regard to the season. I'm not sure if you have any seasons that are remaining open at this time, but we'll cover that. And then also I wanted you to talk about a hunter opinion survey that I know y'all have out to your hunters right now and you're seeking input from them. So this is an opportunity to discuss that and share some insight on that and tell people, listeners in Minnesota, hunters in Minnesota, if um, if they haven't heard about it, uh, how they can access it and how they can provide their, their, their input. So we have a couple of things to discuss with you, but first I wanted to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself to our listeners. Tell us a bit about your personal and professional background.
2: Yeah, I guess um, I grew up in South Dakota i went to um, grad school in iowa Uh, i studied uh, ducks in northern iowa uh, for my master's and spent a couple years in texas and then i've been up in minnesota now for i guess 17 plus years so i enjoy it i'm happy to be up here it's a fun job and enjoy talking to hunters and pretty avid uh, duck hunter myself so uh, pretty engaged, I think, in um, all aspects of uh, uh, docks in Minnesota.
1: Yeah, so Steve, you are the waterfowl staff specialist, as, as I've talked about, and that's, like, as we go around the state, uh, there are different uh, titles, position titles assigned to people that do relatively similar jobs. So you would be sort of the equivalent in terms of job function as Larry Reynolds or Luke Naylor or Andy Radeke. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. in some of the other states that we've heard about. So you interact with those individuals, engage with those individuals in the Mississippi Flyway. Uh, what do you guys call it? The Game Bird Tech section? Is that what it is? It is. Yep. Okay. And so the, I think other flyways refer to it as the waterfowl technical, technical section. So slight deviations in the name, but all kind of functioning the same way. You are the state liaison to the flyways in this, in a lot of the the harvest management discussions, migratory bird management discussions that occur uh, and, and that influence some of the, uh, well, all, a lot of the different migratory bird management issues affecting uh, your state. Right. Yeah. And so that, kind of gives a connection to you between you and some of the other guests that our listeners would have would have heard about and and heard from already so just wanted to point that out so, Steve, help me out here. We want to talk a little bit about some of the surveys that are conducted here around midwinter. We've spoken with uh, a few of your colleagues already, and we have a few others lined up. And certainly here in the South, those kind of surveys return a much larger number of birds in those counts. And But I'm not real familiar with what type of counts, whether y'all even conduct the midwinter survey in Minnesota. I know North Dakota does because we saw some results from them a couple of days ago. Do y'all do a midwinter survey up in Minnesota?
2: Uh, we do not anymore, for the most part. Uh, we're frozen by early January statewide, so it's just not worth any time to uh, do a count. In the past, we've done very limited like ground surveys. We certainly have a, a handful of ducks and geese still here, but it's just not worth our time to go out and try and count a couple thousand ducks, as, as opposed to like Arkansas, Louisiana, something like that.
1: That's kind of what I was suspicious of, but I wanted to kind of confirm that. Now, w- I'm going to ask you about sort of a hunting season recap here in a moment, but uh, first I want to ask you a question that's going to be impossible for you uh, to answer. <laughs> I'm going to do it anyway uh, because you know we we saw some results from North Dakota. They actually do a sort of a limited survey around the midwinter period, and they reported an approximate 50 percent increase above over the long term average in the number of Canada geese and mallards that they're still seeing in their state. It's not a large number. I think it was like 160, somewhere in the 100 000 to 200,000 range for Canada geese. And then, I don't know, maybe 30,000 mallards or something in that area. So, So, in a, in an absolute number, not a lot, but above average. Do you have any sense if the number of ducks and geese that you are seeing now, totally anecdotally speaking, is, is unusually uh, large, or is it really impossible to get a good feel for that?
2: It's certainly uh, not large. Um, I would say it's probably normal, but, uh, you know, we're uh, frozen statewide. So um, other than, you know, a little bit of open water on rivers and some aerated uh, lakes in southern Minnesota, we do not have a ton of geese and ducks um, in Minnesota now, and we really never have in January.
1: Yeah, that's kind of what I figured. Uh, it's It's been a really weird winter um you're talking about how now you're completely frozen and uh, but then there are uh, there We've had sort of an average winter down here in terms of temperature, but we certainly have not seen you know, over the past few weeks any of the extreme cold spells. Uh, we did back in October, And uh, but then that was pretty much it. So we're going to have some other episodes here in the future where we'll talk about some of that in more detail, sort of a larger scale season recap type discussion. Uh, but I wanted to make sure I touched on that with you. Do you have any waterfowl, uh, any goose seasons that would still be open right now? Probably not, right?
2: We closed. Um I, I think it was the 2nd of January, but um, uh, that's typically um, when the goose seasons um, all end.
1: Well, well, Steve, if you could, let's do a, a bit of a season recap. Uh, y'all would have been, you would have had your season open at the time when that we had that strong, or unusually cold October weather. So let's just kind of pick up there and talk about how that may have influenced your, your waterfowl hunter success, your waterfowl numbers, and then broad overview of how the season unfolded from that point forward.
2: So our uh, seasons open uh, for ducks in late September. We open uh, goose season in um, early September and the first couple weeks of uh, duck season by all reports were good. About mid-October we froze and had snow uh, pretty much uh, statewide and kind of shut everything down for about two weeks. But like, early season was uh, pretty good uh, hunting, and then really no hunting in late um, late October. But uh, thing, things uh, statewide opened up uh, for pretty much all November, and it was pretty good hunting um, if you poked around and scouted a little bit. So I think statewide we had a pretty decent duck season. Um, I had a meeting this morning and got uh, a whole bunch of reports uh, from uh, – Uh, different managers in the state and uh, they kind of echoed the same thing that um, overall it was not a bad duck season.
1: Well, that's good to hear. Did that did that October weather, I mean, did it affect you you guys as much as it kind of felt like it did with regard to duck numbers here in the mid-latitude and southern latitudes? We've spoken with Andy Radeke and he talked about, and, and in Illinois, Aaron Yetter, and they spoke about this big influx of birds in late October. Did you see big movements of birds associated with that cold October?
2: I think the uh, first couple days um, when we froze, uh, we did, but then um, after that we were frozen statewide um, on pretty much um, anything but our like super big lake so uh, just uh, no water for ducks to uh, stage on so we sent a lot of birds south and you know they they just weren't here yeah so it, um, it was pretty good hunting for a couple of days and then it kind of ended for uh, 10 to 12 days or something like that
1: i guess i didn't realize that if i'm understanding you correctly you're saying that 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 october that really cold october froze up a lot of a lot of your waters and then you really didn't see those thaw at at all uh after that point
2: they reopened in uh november but we had open water in november uh statewide but uh didn't have a whole lot of ducks. They were kind of scattered. Um, if you scouted, you could find them. But I, I think in terms of uh, like birds migrating like south from Canada, if they came in October as uh, we're freezing, I think they just kept going.
1: Okay. You also mentioned something else that makes me want to ask about uh, about sort of a different topic here. We spoke a lot last summer and fall about the border closure with Canada, and we were speculating about how it may result in an increase in the number of hunters, out-of-state hunters, that we would see in some of the northern tier states, South Dakota, North Dakota, maybe even Minnesota. Do you have any returns on your license sales this year to be able to tell if you did see in Minnesota an increase in the number of -of out-of-state hunters?
2: No. um, Our uh, duck hunter numbers were... Uh, They've been about 80,000 in terms of uh, state waterfall stamps sold uh, for probably the last six to seven years. Uh, That's about half of what they were in the 70s. And we didn't see any increase this year. And uh, we typically don't get um, a whole lot of uh, non-resident hunters here as opposed to uh, uh, North, South Dakota. I think we sell... um, Uh, probably less than uh, 2,000 non-resident waterfall stamps. We don't have a a whole lot of uh, non-resident hunters here.
1: That would have been my suspicion on that as well, but I I was not certain of that, and so I wanted to ask. It's one of the other things that we'll be looking forward to here as we go through the summer months and talk with some of our uh, state partners and look at some of the duck stamp returns, and we've we've heard about how the, the pandemic has Uh, renewed the interest of a lot of people in outdoor activities, hunting and fishing being among those. And so we'll be curious to see if that did translate into any kind of increase in the number of waterfowl hunters, migratory bird hunters that we'll see across any of the other states. So I just wanted to kind of touch base with you on that. Uh, Steve, anything else noteworthy from this waterfowl hunting season uh, uh, with regard to Hunter's success. I, I suspect, as a state waterfowl biologist, you can get a pretty valuable index into how satisfied waterfowl hunters are by the number of uh, sort of disgruntled calls that you might get. Do you have any sense? Do you have any sense of how this uh, season might have been, or any anything notable about it, uh, whether with regard to the uh, large number of a certain species that perhaps was anomalous, or anything of that nature? Anything else to add here before we leave this topic?
2: I think, um, the only thing I would add is, uh, we had more scop here, uh, certainly than I've seen in probably the last 10 to 15 years. Um, and, uh, scop hunting, uh, was, was very good, uh, late October, uh, early November, uh, but, uh, with, a, a low bag limit and not a lot of hunters out at that time. Um, it, you know, I don't think our harvest, uh, will go up much, but, uh, other than that, you know, I, I think it was a decent season, but um, you know, i will probably rank, uh, rank it like a six on a scale of one to ten, something like that. Uh,
1: compared to some of the conversations I have had with southern hunters, uh, we would take a six all day long this year down here. I think many would probably rank it a one or a two. I think there have been some good, there's been some good success in local pockets, uh, but uh, yeah, uh, we're we're still waiting for. Waiting for something, some kind of movement to salvage the season for a lot of people. But uh, we'll see how that goes. We don't have a whole lot of time remaining at this point. And the weather forecast looks ugly. Uh, and ugly in the sense of not very conducive to moving a lot of birds around or bringing new birds up. Um.
0: You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages. Every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com.
1: Let's move on to, I guess, a related topic, which is something that your state is doing and other states do on occasion, which is uh, conduct surveys to actually seek input, actively seek input from their hunter constituents on, on various topics. And so you have a survey that's out right now that you are seeking that, that very input uh, with. And so I wanted to talk with you about that a little bit. Tell us about this survey, the Hunter Opinion Survey. Uh, what's it designed to achieve? What particular type of information are you seeking from your hunters?
2: For the most part, uh, we're trying to get input on um, about 10 different uh, regulation items, uh, but it's kind of a four part survey. And uh, step one, we asked uh, all our area managers uh, statewide to reach out to uh, anyone they know, avid duck hunters uh, groups, um, DU, Delta, uh, Audubon, tribal nations, to seek input from them first and then. Uh, step two, uh, we have an online survey uh, that's open until the end of January. You can find the, the link on our uh, DNR webpage. Step three is a mail-out survey. The, the survey is at the printer today, and we'll go out um, in a day or two to, I think, 7,000 waterfall hunters. And then step four is in March, I'm going to do a, a webinar, and we'll take additional input and review the results we've had today from uh, those other surveys. So it's pretty much across the board. Um, You know, any person in Minnesota can comment. Uh, It's certainly targeted to waterfowl hunters, but um, um, as much input as we've ever taken um, at one time. So uh, we'll see what uh, the results uh, from all that is, I guess, before uh, making recommendations to our commissioner in, in April.
1: I'm glad you added that last point because this information, it's not like we just uh, collect this information just to kind of get a feel for what the hunters are thinking and our constituents are thinking. This information is used to inform decisions that are ultimately made by the commission with regard to uh, various hunting regulations, waterfowl, uh, maybe migratory, but I'm not sure. Are other migratory birds included in this survey? Uh, nope, just uh, waterfowl. waterfall. So, decisions with regard to waterfowl in this case. Um, Now, what about the history of this survey or any other surveys like it? Have you all conducted them periodically in the past? Yeah,
2: uh, we've done uh, uh, mail-out hunter surveys. Um, We do them about every third year. Going back, I think, to 2000 uh, was the first one we did, and they've been every two to three years. Um, We've also taken public input a few times, but the Often it's directed to, you know, maybe one one lake or one area, some minor uh, issue, and not really re- reached out to, like, everyone. Uh, so that's a little bit different. And, and we've also never really asked our management staff to uh, engage with, you know, folks in their work areas uh, to get input that, that way. And we've never really done a webinar to, like, Look at the results from the surveys. Uh, you know, we certainly uh, write reports and post those on our web page. But, um, you know, that's different this time. So, you know, it's a pretty um, engaged effort, I guess, is um, how I might frame it.
1: Yeah so the webinar is designed to to share the data to share the results not, shouldn't say the data but share the results with the with the constituents of the state of Minnesota I think that's a great idea uh, what are some examples of the type of questions you might have touched on this a bit but I want to just make sure that that we get this what are Some examples of the type of questions that you're asking, and then how will those be used? Are we talking about zones and splits and preferred opening and closing dates, or is it other questions beyond that?
2: Yeah, uh, certainly one is uh, zones and splits um, and season timing. Um, uh, Second uh, would be a teal season. Uh, We're the only state in uh, Mississippi Flyway that does not have a teal season. Uh, So, we're asking input on that. Third would be um, uh, state regulations we have, like uh, we end the shooting hours um, at four o'clock, the first couple weeks of duck season, and we're asking about going to sunset. Another one is uh, we're asking about uh, preference for an increased uh, Canada goose bag limit to five a day. We restrict uh, motorized decoys here uh, first couple of weeks of the duck season and on um, WMAs the entire season so we're, we asked about changing that and then a couple other maybe uh, minor issues um, uh, one would be we don't allow open water duck hunting and it's allowed in pretty much any other state um, in Minnesota you have to hunt in concealing vegetation uh, so you can't hunt in a layout boat or an anchored boat line, so we asked about that, and I think that's about it.
1: That's interesting, Steve, and I thank you for provi- providing those details. We've had a multi-part series with, well, it's included Dale Humberg, Ken Babcock, and now uh, Jim Nichols, and then moving forward, Jim Dubofsky and Scott Boomer talking about you know, harvest management and how regulations are sort of overarching umbrella at the at the national level, federal level. But then within that umbrella, under that umbrella, within the framework afforded by the federal legislation, federal regulation, states can do different things that can be more restrictive, uh, but not less restrictive than what the federal uh, allowances provide. And so Minnesota is a great example where you have some regulations that are uh, perhaps more restrict well not perhaps they are a bit more restrictive in some regards than what we find in some other states and so that's interesting uh, there's probably an entire discussion on the history of those regulations and how they came about and how long they've been in existence and you know kind of what the thinking is behind them but we don't have time for that here but uh, nevertheless it's it's some additional insight for people to realize just how variable some of these different state specific regulations uh, can be so that's that that's some pretty neat pretty neat things to learn there. what's the what's the deadline for completing this survey, Steve? Uh, the end of January, it's on our web page. Okay, so people can find it on your web page and that's just Minnesota DNR. I'm not sure what the URL is, but we're all savvy enough internet wise now to be able to find that. and so it should be pretty easy, I'm guessing. It is, yeah. Anything else with regard to that hunter survey that we need to share that will be of interest to some of the listeners? I actually would imagine some of the listeners in states other than Minnesota would be interested in seeing the results to some of the questions you're asking there. So who knows, maybe we'll have a chance to, to share some of that information in the future. But anything else relative to the survey that you want to share with, let's say, your constituents that may be listening to this episode?
2: I think we've had um like 3,500 uh, comments um, so far on the online uh, survey. And uh, that's a lot. And, uh, you know, it's open for what, 10 more days or something. So um, we'll get a lot more or mo- more opportunity. And, um, you know, uh, go in, uh, go online. It doesn't take very long to fill it out. And uh, we'll weigh the comments and show them to you at some point. So. You know that's kind of what um, our goal is—is just uh, to get input from both waterfall hunters and perhaps some uh, non-waterfall hunters on uh, certain um, waterfall regs.
1: Yeah, your voice can't be heard if you cannot be heard if you don't speak up, and so this is just one of the many ways that uh, that state agencies seek some of that input. So I would certainly uh, encourage. Uh, the waterfowl constituents in the state of Minnesota to go participate in that survey. Provide your your input. Let your voice be heard. So, thank you for the details on that, Steve. I want to begin closing up here by talking about uh, breeding habitat conditions. Minnesota provides resources and habitats for waterfowl during both the breeding season and non-breeding season and migration staging area. So, you get birds there pretty much year-round except when things freeze up. Um, and so in terms of breeding habitat, we've talked already with Scott Stevens about how things are shaping up in the prairie, some of the early indicators for prairie, uh, wetland conditions. Now, as we get into Minnesota, uh, I think there's some part of Western Minnesota with historical prairie, uh, and, but I, I'm not sure that's not a big part of the state and I'm not sure what percentage of the breeding population may occur there, but when you look at sort of breeding habitat conditions in the state of Minnesota, the wetlands in that state, and how do you characterize those? Are they, they're not as dynamic as what we see in the prairies, are they, and and then how do you sort of assess this time of year how those conditions may be unfolding?
2: Uh, part of Minnesota is uh, uh, very similar to the eastern uh, Dakotas in terms of uh, shallow wetlands that uh, uh, tend to dry and uh, get wet, but um, I think a lot of our habitat here in most of Minnesota is uh, it's more shallow lakes. So it's a deeper water, uh, less dynamic, I guess, is how I would say it. Um, The water level doesn't uh, fluctuate that much. And I guess um, in terms of like conditions now, um, it's just hard to say. Uh, We have snow statewide, but, um, you know, it's we're just we're different than the Prairie Canada and the Dakotas, but, you know, a little, maybe a third of western Minnesota is uh, pretty similar, but with those uh, big shallow lakes, um, you just, conditions uh, don't change that much, uh, much from uh, a year to year.
1: Yeah, what are some of the primary breeding species there? I would imagine a fair number of mallards. What are some of the other key species that you find in Minnesota? Reading. yeah uh, mallards uh number
2: one breeding bird uh, uh teal uh bluing teal uh, uh very close second uh, wood ducks uh, very abundant ringneck ducks uh, we have a decent number of ringneck ducks that nest in northern minnesota and a lot of the other uh, dabbling duck species uh, and diving duck species uh nest here but in lower numbers so uh, you know uh can we have canvas backs nest here uh, redheads uh you know a few pintails a uh, few green wings uh, but uh for the most part it, i would say mallards uh blue and teal wood ducks and ring
1: steve i guess my final question it relates to some of the breeding waterfowl that we've talked about and i believe you're going to be the first person that would have I would have had the opportunity to ask this question. I think we may have referenced it on a previous episode this season, but uh, as we're now in 2021, spring is is just kind of around the corner and we all know that the May Breeding Population Survey occurs in the spring. That's a very key data set for the management of waterfowl populations in North America and of course we did not it was not conducted last year first time in uh over well in its 65 year history and i know we're still in the midst of a of a pandemic and i know your state being important to breeding waterfowl does participate annually in in some part of that survey or you conduct a breeding survey in your state i don't think you conducted one last year because of the pandemic but what can you share with with our audience about how things may be shaping up uh to conduct that survey this year do you think we're going to be able to do it at least in your state speaking for what you can
2: we're under a, a stay-at-home work order uh through the end of our fiscal year uh, which is uh, july 1. Uh, so at this point it seems un- unlikely that i can fly in may um that could change, but uh, it doesn't look that uh, likely that uh, we'll be able to fly. I've been trying to think about uh, maybe doing some of our ground routes uh, that are part of the, the aerial survey uh, to come up with like an index. Uh, but, you know, it's kind of a like day-to-day thing. It does not seem likely that uh, I'll be able... To uh, fly the survey we've flown for
1: 50 years here. Am I correct that you did not fly it last year? We did not, no. Okay. All right. I wanted to make sure that I backed up and corrected myself there if I was wrong, but all right. So I was, I was correct. And well, Steve, I was hoping for some better news. Uh, (laughs) I was hoping that you uh, were telling me that, yeah, you've instituted some protocols that are going to help things be safe during the conduct of that survey. But it sounds like there, as, as is expected, there are going to be some Sort of higher level restrictions that are in place in different states and provinces and countries that are going to make this challenging and you know, so i guess we can just kind of hope for some rapid change in in the way things are, are in the way things exist with, re- with respect to this pandemic right now here over the next few months and maybe it maybe it opens up additional opportunities that we don't see right now Appreciate all the input that you've provided here on sort of a season recap, uh, your hunter opinion survey, and then some early insights on whether we may be able to conduct a breeding survey as well as uh, a look at breeding habitats in in Minnesota. Uh, Well, Steve, thank you so much for taking the time to join us and look forward to catching up with you again in the future.
2: Yeah, appreciate the time. Thanks, Mike.
1: A special thanks to our guest on today's episode, Steve Kortz, waterfowl staff specialist with Minnesota DNR. We appreciate his time and insight on what's happening with waterfowl and waterfowl management in Minnesota. As always, we appreciate and thank our producer Clay Baird for the work he does on this podcast. It would not be possible without him. And to you, the listener, we thank you for your time spending it with us, for supporting the podcast and for your support, passion and commitment to wetlands and waterfowl conservation.